0: And 2020, episode 283. Have 2020 Vision with ION 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up-to-date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone. I really do. I'm sure all of you guys do too, everyone that listens to this show. Um, Most of you guys are probably slightly critical of the lockdown, if not fully critical of lockdown. A lot of you guys probably are critical of the government, you know, the way that the government has responded to this, the inadequacies of the government in the initial response of it, and then also the inability for government to... I mean, prevent the spread, first of all, uh, keep it from coming in the United States, first of all, which they said, I mean, I heard this back in, I don't know, early February, probably middle of January when they first started talking about the coronavirus, because I started following it right around that time. I remember I went to, about middle of February, I had gone to Snowshoe, West Virginia, and we were just going up there for a snowboarding trip, and I remember for about a week or so beforehand, I was following... No, probably two weeks beforehand, because I remember I was taking notes on the daily death totals in China, and during that time I had heard a couple of news, like a couple of news or read a couple of news articles, or maybe I saw it on the news or something. I'm not sure exactly where I saw it, but I remember somebody saying this, and it stuck out of my mind the entire time, and that's why I started following the coronavirus and looking at the daily death totals and I was getting freaked out I was getting scared I was terrified of it I was worried because I started doing the numbers and I said oh my god this thing is growing exponentially you had 10 deaths and 20 deaths and 50 and every every 5 days I think at what one point it was every 5 days the number of people that had it grew by double but it doubled every 3 days it doubled Every And so I started doing the math and I said, holy cow, by May, there'll be a billion people that have, or I think it was like 5 billion people that would have it. And then if you did the math further three days later, the entire world would have had it and not that that was a fact that 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 would really happen because that's not the way viruses grow and I didn't understand it back then eventually they start to peak out and plateau because there's no new carriers to give it to like if if there's 10 people in the world that haven't had it it'll be very hard for that virus to find those 10 people if one of those people gets it and it's been spread out so ultimately not everyone in the world will get it Fifty, sixty, seventy percent of the people in the world would get it before you start to completely plateau in that sense. That's, but that's um what I was thinking in my mind. I didn't realize that. I didn't understand vi, you know, the way that viruses spread. But I started following this thing. I guess it must have been the end of February because it was the week or on the fourteenth is when we left. The fourteenth of February is when we left for snow shit, I remember following it for about two weeks or so before then so end of January I, I'm listening to somebody talk, and I remember it was specifically if someone was talking, so I must have been watching a news article on a news channel of some sort and this person said that it's a virus and it's an airborne virus, it's one that spread through coughing one that spread through microbes aerosol microbes that go into the air and catch somebody and then that's how it would be spread. And she said it was a female. I remember that now too. And she said, it's almost impossible to stop the spread of a virus like that. An easily transmissible virus that spreads to the air. It's not the AIDS virus. You don't have to have... You know, you could catch it just by walking by somebody that coughs in your face. You can catch it by touching something that someone else touched that had the virus and then putting that into your mouth. It's easily transmissible. They didn't know how easily transmissible it was at the time. But I was freaked out. I was terrified. I was scared. I started following it every single day. I started keep taking notes. I started taking notes on it. How? What was the numbers? The exact number of people that had the virus. That's what I was looking at. Every single day and I started following this thing and I was like terrified. It was... The Twilight Zone was happening to me then. The Twilight Zone was happening to me then. And it's just like every day since then. I mean, it's it, and it wasn't until about the beginning of March is when you really started hearing it hit America. I think we had like one or two cases in Seattle by the mid-February. They didn't really discover it in New York yet. There's a couple of cases in Seattle. There's a couple of cases of, I think they remember the first case community spread case was in California. And I remember when I got back from the trip, you started hearing like the first case in South Carolina happened. And then by by the beginning of March or middle of March or so, West Virginia was the last holdout, the last place where there had been no cases yet. And it wasn't about cases, it was about testing to see who would have it. But we've been living in the twilight zone since then. And for me, and I don't know what for you guys, I don't know when you started following it, but it seems like I've been living in the Twilight Zone that amount of time. It's almost May now. And we're dealing with this thing still. It's absolutely insanity to me. It really is. So on 213, I'm looking at the numbers now. On two thirteen, I put in the forty-five thousand people had been tested for it. And that was the first, second, third, fourth, fifth that was the yeah, that was the 14th entry that i took so it was uh, right at the end of februarys when i put the or right at the end of januarys i put that first log in 5000 people had the coronavirus and that was in china wuhan china then 7000 9000 and, 9, and 12000 so in 3 days it had doubled and i just started doing the math and i took it out and it just terrified me and i remember the first episode i dedicated to the coronavirus was right around the middle of March and even then I was terrified of the virus I was worried that I mean you look at the numbers and I was just thinking to myself how is how are people going to survive because you start looking at the mathematics of it and it was like a 7-10% to death rate in China but I didn't realize it was just the people that were tested for it it's not like the Ebola where with the Ebola, you have a 10% death rate, 12% death rate or something like that, or maybe even more than that. But if you have it, you can't spread it that easily. So if you have it, you know you have it. It's just not someone walking around with it that doesn't really know that they have it. They know about it pretty quick. So with this, you have people that are asymptomatic, people that don't know that they have it, just like with the cold or the flu. You might have a very mild cold or a very mild flu. You're never going to go to the doctor for it, so you're not going to get tested for it. But I didn't take those things into account until after I did that first episode. I think it was, if you could go back, you could listen to it. It It's around March 12th or March 15th or so. My first episode that I dedicate specifically to the coronavirus. And I was terrified. I was looking at the numbers. I was freaked out. But then by the next, that was on a Monday. On that Thursday, I started doing a lot of research trying to figure it out. And I realized it was a capacity issue. The coronavirus was a capacity issue. The reason why you need to flatten the curve is because it's a capacity issue. You have to flatten the curve because you don't want to overload the hospitals. And they were were thinking in their minds at the time that this was going to go nationwide and all the hospitals would be, because they were thinking 2.2 million deaths. I remember thinking to myself, what, so you have a million beds at the hospital in America, and they're expecting 10 million people that needed hospital beds and 2.2 million deaths. That's what they were thinking at the time. That's what the common wisdom was. That was what people were thinking. And I said, if this is a capacity issue, you just got to increase the capacity. Double the capacity. Triple the capacity. Bring the capacity up to 5 million beds. You can make that happen across the entire nation. Somehow, some way. Have doctor's offices that do it. That was what I was thinking at the time. But those numbers were not right. Those numbers were overestimated. Those numbers were not well thought out those numbers that they made decisions about the American public to shut down hospitals except for using it for coronavirus cases, to shut down businesses, to shut down our economy, to tell people not to work, to tell people to stay home, to pe- tell people to stand in place in San Francisco and other places in New York, and then it went on to the entire nation almost, to tell people to stand in place or they're going to get arrested. Those are Those things were based upon faulty numbers. 2.2 million deaths. 7 to 10% death rate, depending on where you're at. Mortality rate. Those are faulty numbers. We know those are faulty numbers because we know that way more people have had this virus than just the people that are tested. You've had 6 million people tested in America. You've had a million people so far as of today. You've had a million people that have had it, a little over a million people that have had it, you have 60,000 deaths. So that's a 6% death rate of people that get it. But they know that way more people than a million people have had it, because 25% of them are asymptomatic. So you could turn that number into 2 million, maybe. 1.5 million. I don't want to get the math all done up wrong. But you could say that's the case. We're looking at millions of people that have probably had this thing. Millions of people that have probably had this thing. And they get the numbers wrong originally. And they're not thinking about it now. They're not changing the course of action. They're not changing the plan on what they're going to do next. And now because of those numbers, because of them making the mistake... By overestimating the numbers, by them doing that originally, here we are today. 26 million people unemployed. 26 million people unemployed. I think they said that there's a higher unemployment rate than at the peak of the Great Depression. That's where we're at now. Hopefully this is short term. But they're not making decisions now to change the course of action. They're not. No one's reevaluating this thing. There's a few states that are reopening and things like that. But the people have already been terrified. The people have already been scared. The people in their mind, they still think 2.2 million deaths. They still think 7% death rate. There's no person up at top in leadership in America that are saying a true story. There's no one taking the lead and saying, hey, listen... It's not the death rate that we thought it was. It's not a complete death sentence. I had a, I was le- reading comments on the local news station on their Facebook page from one of the articles that they put about going to the beach. And someone says, I ain't going to the beach because I I ain't going to have no death sentence. Like, that's what she put. I'm thinking to myself, I looked at her picture and I'm like, you're probably 30 years old. That's not a death sentence. But that's the mentality that people have. And if you read these comments, just subscribe, subscribe to your local news channel's Facebook page. Just like it and follow it and look at the news articles that come out and then look at the comments. And you'll see a different group of answers than what you would see on the Eye on the Empire Facebook page. Subscribe to your local news channels, and then when you look at their posts, just look at all the posts. Look, look, when they put a nose article, just go down and look at their posts and just read through them, and you'll see just how ignorant the population is about this. How these people don't understand the true nature of this virus. But we're not going to win the argument when people are just when there's nobody at the top saying it but they're not saying anything because I, I don't know actually i don't know why they're not saying anything i don't know why the politicians aren't taking the leadership on this thing and saying you know what we've reevaluated the numbers and this is this is this the only thing i can think of is it's not a conspiracy guys i'm not saying anything about a conspiracy the only thing i could think about the reason why it is is because the politicians have nothing to lose by continuing with the status quo, because the people are terrified. The polls come out, 85% are in favor of lockdowns, 85% are in favor of continuing the lockdown, and if you read the news articles and read the postings, 70-80% of the people are still okay with being locked down. They're still okay with collecting an unemployment check. They're still okay with that stuff. And because they've incentivized people to stay home and not do anything. So people are still okay with that stuff. So it's not politically advantageous for a politician to come out. And say, let's get back to work. Let's open up the economy. This thing isn't as bad as we initially claimed it is. Yes, it's still bad. Yes, people still die. Yes, we need to be careful. And yes, we need to tell high-risk people to stay home. We need to counsel them to stay home. We can't require it, but we can counsel it. We can tell people to be a little bit more careful when they go to restaurants. We can tell people to maybe not go to the sporting events and the concerts that you wanted to go to this year. But if you want to, you can. We're not going to tell you no, but make better decisions. And especially if you're over 60, over 55, make better decisions. Yes, it's not politically advantageous for the politicians to do that. So they're not going to. But why isn't the news media doing anything? I have no idea. That doesn't make sense to me either. YouTube, there was one dissenting voice that made a big impression on me. And when I when I watched the video, it was that it was that Dr. Erickson video, and I watched the video and I knew the numbers were a little bit off, and that's kind of been disputed and stuff like that. But the numbers they were using were off, like the .03% chance of dying from the virus. I think it's I think their numbers were off because they were extrapolating from the entire population of people who were being tested, and then they were extrapolating for that. They were saying like. 25 percent of people that are tested are tested positive so you extrapolate the numbers out of the entire population you have four million people in texas or in california that have had it and then by that you can say 0.03 percent of people die but the death rate is not done that wasn't a fixed number you can't extrapolate until 10 years from now or eight, five years from now or whenever the virus goes away what the actual death rate is from this thing if anything, that would be like a max number of people that would have it in California is 4 million if 26% of the people that come in and get tested have it. But those are the people that are coming in and tested that. And you know that the testing is only done to people that are high risk or in this case now, maybe more recently, they're trying to test more and more people. But in the initial stages, it was only people that absolutely, absolutely had to be tested. So we're looking at that situation and I'm looking at those numbers and they did make some valid points though about staying home, about this is not okay for people to be cooped up in their houses because they're losing their natural immunity. Like this is a recipe for disaster down the road. You're washing your hands. You're over washing your hands. You're over sanitizing. You're killing the good bacteria and the bad bacteria. But the good bacteria help you to protect your body from different things. Like they made some very good points. Some great, very good, valid points. And those are the numbers. Those are the points that I took the most. And also that we shouldn't be locking people down. Like that was that was the points that I took it. But the numbers have been disputed that he uses. Use that's fine. But if they're going to use those numbers that are bad numbers, the original numbers that were used to lock down the entire country were bad numbers too. So what we as libertarians need to do, what we need to be doing, is getting out there and giving good numbers, giving good, common-sense answers to these questions. But there's no leader that's in, out there doing it. It doesn't seem like to me. Because it's not politically advantageous for them to do it. It blows my mind. It drives me crazy. It makes me upset that we're destroying people's lives over something that if you took the road to Sweden, you would have less... You would have probably just as many deaths. They don't have a higher death rate than anywhere else in Europe, really. They're not being... They're and they're not destroying their economy. They don't have a higher deaths per million. They don't have... A higher mortality rate, they're doing testing they're counseling people to stay home, they're giving people good advice to stay home and things like that, but they're not out there arresting people for going kayaking (laughs) arresting people that are out and about, they're not doing that stuff so to me I just think we need to be on a different path and no one's talking about it no one's talking about it and all I see I mean I drive around you see restaurants you see nail salons you see different businesses that are shut down boarded up I mean it's gonna be a nightmare you listen to Peter Schiff and he'll give some really good good details on the things that can happen like you have he was talking about with businesses shutting down with businesses that can't stand business mom-and-pop shops that have to shut down Like the the commercial real estate is going to go down in value because of that. As businesses change their business models to not have people come to a central office, but have people stay work from home, they're going to need less office space. So commercial real estate is going to go down because of that as well. The value will. People won't feel like they need to work so close to their office. So instead of working 15 to 20 minutes from their office, they might work an hour and a half or two hours away from their office so they can save on the price of their home. So inner city and cities, the real estate value is going to go down because of that. You're going to have a commercial and residential real estate bubble that kind of crashes. And what does that lead to? Restaurants going going out of business, you're going to have less people that need Food, you're gonna, you know, they're not less people that need food, less of the services that go along with all that stuff as well. The restaurants that are catering to these large businesses that have multiple employees and they're going out to eat at lunch, for lunch, those businesses are gonna go out of business as well. Not gonna need as many cars to get to to and from work. Like the changes in our society, they might be for the better. They they might be for the better. letting people stay home for work and all that. But those things would have happened anyway. This accelerates it. But we just shut down the entire economy for lies, for numbers that were wrong. And they're going to get on these guys as Dr. Erickson for getting the numbers wrong, for extrapolating the wrong way. Everyone was extrapolating the wrong way. And we made, governors made decisions that were from extrapolated numbers that were the wrong numbers. And that's, What's going on? Government needs to stay out of this thing. Give good leadership at the top so that people will trust it and believe it and know that what they're saying is truth. When you force, you get more force in return. When you force people to do one thing, they push back. And that's what people are doing now. They're pushing back. You're seeing it in the states. They're pushing back on their government. People are going to distrust their government even more now. Then, I mean... I guess for the libertarians that say tear it all down, that's a great thing and you're applauding, but for me, a lot of lives will be lost a lot of people will die a lot of people will starve if if the entire system just went away tomorrow there's a lot of people that depend upon different things within this system to make it work so anyway, that's I mean I wanted to bring up this Erickson video because that's like the biggest video that's out there right now and there's a lot of people that are t- passing it around and now YouTube took it down and that's the last point I wanted to make is they took that video down YouTube took that video down saying that they violated their terms of service and all that and I do not I'm not one of those people that thinks that YouTube has to follow freedom of speech I don't think they have to follow the first amendment the second amendment whatever that doesn't matter they're protected To do what they want to with their business. That's true. But that's not a good business model to follow. Not allowing freedom of speech. Now they're considered an editor. They're editing their content. And all that. And to me. The freedom of speech issue. Should be in play. I'm not going to force them to be in play. But a good business model. Would be to allow that freedom of speech. Because you're editing that down. And that makes me distrust YouTube. That makes me think in my mind that, and I'm sure it's the case already, but they're going to edit anything that they don't want me to hear. Whose agenda is it at that point? Millions, billions of people use YouTube. And whose agenda am I being looking at now? Because some editor out there decide that that's the wrong message to have. Facebook is doing the same thing. A lot of these companies are doing the same thing. I think that we need to be aware of this stuff so we can make decisions on how we're going to proceed with doing business with these businesses. There's no alternative to YouTube, really. That's a viable option. There's no real good other option from Facebook. What, are you going to use MySpace? There's there's a few other social networking tools. There's ones that are based upon Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and all that, but those things are crap as well. So anyway, that's keep in mind that yes, these are private companies, but we should boycott them or stop using them or demand from them personally a def, a different level of respect. We should demand for them a different level of the what the way that they're doing business now, because when you trample on people's freedom of speech and these are these are. Businesses that people use to get speech out and they're going to censor it. It's wrong and it's not okay. By taking down that Erickson video because the numbers were wrong, because it's misinformation, that's those guys' opinion. They might have got it wrong, but do you censor that? I don't think that you should be. But it's not what I think, it's what they think. But that just makes people mistrust or distrust YouTube even more. Hey guys, I appreciate you joining me for another day in the life of the of the uh, ION 2020. Basically, now I'm ION 2020 the year, not the uh, the elections. So, uh, enjoy. This is your Libertarian. Look at the t- presidential election, though. And I will get you guys up to speed anytime new information comes out. Especially with Biden and his whole crap that's going on with Tara Reid. And also, I will talk more about... If you want to listen to the, a couple of episodes ago, I did talk about... Um, justin amash hopping into the presidential race for as a libertarian i was speculating that he would and he finally decided to do it so i'll probably talk more about that uh next week all right but enjoy your weekend and i will talk to you guys on monday check me out on i on i on the empire on facebook and on twitter as well and then if you really like the show please give me a five star rating and review on apple itunes but i'll talk to y'all on monday and you'll have clear vision for 2020